0: <clears throat> mm. dear heavenly father we just thank you for your love we thank you for your goodness lord we just pray you speak to us this morning and just give us your strength god i give you all things i pray you would have just anoint me and i just speak things words of the spirit and each heart would be able to receive of the spirit so we give this time to you in the name of the lord jesus amen Amen. I want you to open up to, I really would like you to open up to, or at least make a note of it, Isaiah 48.10. Isaiah 48.10. And Isaiah 48.10 says this, see, I have refined you, though not as silver, I have tested you in the furnace of affliction now the title to the message is refined and as i was getting ready for this message there's certain things i want to say and it's like and i know you kind of the feedback you know i'll get and stuff and then also there's there's a and i really feel confident but there's one thing when i say this that all will undercut this message that just totally destroys this message and if any person here thinks about somebody else, <laughs> that would be a good message for so-and-so. That would be a good message for, let's get personal, my husband, my wife. You know, well, That thought, that thought destroys this message. As soon as you think, okay, this is what God, this, or, you know, it destroys it. You can't use it. The the message has a lot of power if you take it personally. It's for you and nobody else. It's for nobody else uh, in the world but you. Then this message starts making a little bit of sense. I even wondered who'd be here this morning. I said, who are the chosen (laughs) to hear this message? And... um, and so so I'm I'm just gonna say it. But again, if you think of somebody else, forget. You might as well go home. I mean, you this is it's just cause it's not gonna work. It's just not gonna, it's gotta be for you and you alone, because that's how God works. And and so here's what I was gonna say, you know, to introduce this message. This totally this totally explains your life. Is that now is that kind of bold? <laughs> this to, this message will totally explain your your life, okay? That's the reason you have to think it is yours, not somebody else's, okay? Because you are not to explain somebody else's life. Or it, no, this message will totally explain your life. It will totally explain why certain things happen to you it just uh, totally explains your sphere in which you walk and it totally explains what God is doing with you. Y'all ready? (laughs) Y'all ready? I mean, I'm just, you know, it's, it's like, okay, Lord, I confess before you I'm bold enough to say what you laid on my heart. And by the way, the first, the uh, taking this to heart, this totally explains my life. <laughs> so that's where I started. It's, it explains my life. And again, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, it's like you try to cover all the bases. Somebody said, well, no, God wouldn't do that. That's too hard. Okay. Well, then you can discard this message, you know. Or, you know, those things, you know, you know can't happen. And that's only responsibility of the devil. And, you know, God would never be a part of that. Okay? You know? It won't work. It, it, it won't work. What we're going to see for is is we're going to see whatever happens, God's behind. Whatever happens, God's behind. And I could even make a, I can go through a whole list of things in my whole life. And I'm saying, that is totally unjust. And I could honestly say, given the world, it's unjust. You know, and, and I and I have taken this to God, God. You know, like that, and He gives me this message. This message. I'll, I'll share some. I'll share things. A couple of things, like on to, but I don't want to ad lib too much on the message because. It really is something divine God's doing. And I, and it's God <laughs> to explained to you in your life. So I don't want to ad-lib in your life. <laughs> okay, I want you to hear what God has to say. So we're going to start off with this. What is true about your life? Now I'm talking about believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm assuming we've accepted Christ. Assuming we've trusted Christ as our Savior. So that's the foundation. So if you've done that, then this verse here is true. This is an absolute truth to you. It says this, to you and me. See, I have refined you. Though not as silver, I have tested you and refined you in the furnace of affliction. How many of you said, why is this happening to me? Why is this burning around me why is this so painful to me and god goes i'm refining you i'm refining you i'm refining you see we are god's witness on this earth we're god's witness on this earth and god's standard is perfection is perfection and which was demonstrated through the lord jesus christ so that's a demonstration and the truth that we have that is we are his witnesses. Therefore, God moves in our life to remove the impurities that hinder our ministry to him. Mm-hmm. God is burning. <laughs> what are you doing? Purify you. Purify for my ministry to the world. The That's what he's doing. That's what he's doing. He is purifying through the furnace of affliction. Why is this so bad? Lord, why don't you solve that? Why don't you solve them? Why don't you create this? And what we do when we say that, we miss the whole point. He gives, you know, that's my stuff. I got that. But me and you, I'm doing this to you. I'm burning away your impurities your impurities i'm burning them away now we are this is a good time to remind everybody we are saved by grace (laughs) amen we are saved by grace we're totally forgiven accepted by god just the way we are he accepts us just the way we are it's just like the old hymn says just as i am O lamb of god i come you know that's absolute truth so true this is so true But God loves us so much that he will not leave us in our state of impurity. He loves us so much he won't leave us in our state of impurity. All right? So we're in by grace. (laughs) Home in heaven. And he says, but I'm going to purify you. I'm going to purify you so you can walk with me the way you should. God will refine us to be pure, is pure silver and gold. Therefore, seven verses down, just seven verses down, it says this. This is what the Lord says in Isaiah 48, 17. This is what the Lord says. Your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, your Redeemer. He says, I am the Lord your God who teaches you what is best for you who directs you in the way you should go. What is he doing? (laughs) How many of you ask, what is God doing? He's doing this, but I don't understand. That's the reason he's teaching you, because you don't understand. You don't have a clue. And the only way you're going to be able to understand when you go through the fire and I burn away the impurities, will you ever be able to see And I love you so much, I want you to be able to see. So I have to burn these things away to open your eyes to see. Now, look at that. Think of that. I'm the Lord your God, what? Who teaches you what is best for you? See, we settle, we actually settle compared to God. We just settle for the bad, you know, or we'll settle for the good. But He said, No, I know what's best for you. To take you to that next level, to move you up. And I have to do a work in you. I have to do a work in you. And then He will he directs us in that way we should go. Now, what we see here, it uses the term God, our Redeemer. God redeemed us. Okay? Now He refines us. See? He redeemed us. Now he refines us. And so we see that God is actively, this is really important, we see that God is actively ministering to his people. He's at work. He's doing something. He's telling us he's at work. He's doing something. Now, even before we've accepted Christ, and there's different places you can look at this, and I'm sure you can just look at your own life and see it. Before we accepted Christ, he addressed our mind and directed our steps, didn't he? Didn't he? How would you end up here? Man, that was a mess. I got out of that mess. And oh, I got this. But somehow, you ended up here. And he said, God, I can't do this myself. I believe on you that I am forgiven. He used all your life and everything, your family and everything to bring you to that point To him. In the salvation. He did that before you were saved. Well if he did that before you were saved. Wouldn't he more so do that. After you were saved. Wouldn't he more so do that after you were saved. So. When we look at this. And you think about that. That God is. God is actively. Refining his people. Throughout their life. Their entire life. Birth to the grave, God is refining his people. He's working. He's working. We're not here by accident, and we're not here by our own ingenuity. And so God's working. So God God does this. God does this so we may achieve the absolute best for us and be directed in the right way. Now, don't you do that for your kids? Yeah? Now, this is best for you, so... (laughs) You will be in the right way. And are sweetheart says, Well, of course, we will do exactly what you said. No, they resist all the way. They fight you all the way. You know, it's like fighting you all the way to the dentist. They'd rather have all their teeth wrought out than go to the dentist. I mean, they're not going to they'll fight you the whole way. And so what we see here is that God wants the absolute best for us, and he wants that right way. And he's taking us. and directing us in that right way. We must, and here's the part of it, we must understand that God refines and tests us so that we will, listen to this one word, I've got it read, underlined in this. He's testing us and refining us so that we will, here's the key word, solely, solely, that's the key word, so that we will solely depend on Him for our own okay that's what he's doing so we'll depend on him solely you know I got this covered I can't do this okay God I need you here he's no you needed me over here I can't do what I'm supposed to here because you never did go before me here the word is solely so he is teaching his people that have come to him to solely depend on him to do the right thing for them in their situation solely, solely. Zechariah, there's no overhead here, but Zechariah thirteen nine says this. I will refine them like silver. I will test them like gold. They will call on my name, and I will answer them. I will say they are my people, and they will say, The Lord is our God solely. Solely. See, that's what he's saying, solely. Solely, this doesn't work without solely. And the lessons, and we don't understand the lessons until we grasp solely. Our frustration and, and our distress are the things because we don't solely trust God. Trust God, and that's where we have to come first to understand our life and understand what is happening in our life by refining and testing God and, and grasp it. This is this is so true. I, you know, I want to shout it. By refining and testing, God removes our impurities. Our impurity. Oh, you sin. You sin because no, this is your impurities. I'm moving your impurities because of your relationship with me. So what we have is when he removes the impurities and he says, by function, they are my people. They are my people. There's nothing in between us. Now, we're saved by grace, and he took us, just as I am, all the junk, paid the penalty. But to walk with him and understand him, he removes all the impurities. Uh, those are my people. Nothing stands between me and them in their action. And then they will say, the Lord is our God. Nothing stands in between and God and me. The Lord is my God. We start living like who we are. God made us who we are. We're accepted. We're washed clean. But now he works in us here and now to start living like who we are we are and to do that he has to refine and test and burn away the impurities y'all with me okay now listen the apostle paul good old testament you know thing oh wow now listen to what the apostle paul says wrote three quarters new testament and what he sees the apostle paul recognize that this is what's happening. And the Apostle Paul recognizes this is why God continues to teach his people because he continues to remove the impurities so there'll be nothing between them and God. And this is what the Apostle Paul says. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 through 9. I'm going to read the first two verses, and the last sentence will be on the screen. So the, the Apostle Paul says this. Now, again, this is the Apostle Paul. All right, wrote three-quarters of the New Testament, face-to-face with God, division, walking with God. He, with anybody in the Scriptures, you know, had his act together, okay? Paul had his act together. Paul said, for we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength, we despaired of our life. It was so stinking bad. I mean, we just couldn't. We just wanted to kill ourselves. No, he didn't say that. Yes, he did say that. We don't want to be alive. We didn't. I mean, it was so bad, we couldn't stand it. Verse 9 says this. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. God, you didn't kill us. God, this is, you can't get worse than this. Now, the sentence. And here's the story. Here's our story. Here's your story. But, and that word is in the original. (laughs) But, but, that was to make us. Rely not on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. God, why am I going through this? Why are you? Because Wallace, I want you to rely on the God who raises the dead and not yourself. Okay, I got this, not myself stuff. But just let up. No, you don't. No, you don't. I'm gonna keep bringing it. I'm keeping bringing it, and you're you're complaining. It's proof you don't get it. And I'm going to keep bringing it until you give up and say, I can't do it. And then you'll say, Then I'll prove to you it can only be accomplished by the living God. You, have, you see what it said here? I mean, I, look at this. Because this is your life. This is your life. Some of us think we're sneaking under the radar. You know, no, we're not. No, we're not. He, he's working every issue, every issue in, out. And how do I know that? Because you've trusted Christ as your Savior. <laughs> Our son, I wish he was here. He, he really drives him crazy about the, uh, uh, what was it, Campus Crusade? Have a Life says, God has a wonderful plan for your life. He, he, he says, You better read the fine print. You need to, because he understands this verse. Yeah, he understands it. They say, You have a wonderful life. He said, that's, that's terrible. He says, got, You got to tell them they need to read fine print. Because God is going to refine, and God is going to test. And so they will depend on themselves, and they'll depend on the God who raises the dead. And then God will work to have them in that position. And it is really painful, and it doesn't feel wonderful at all. In fact, you're thinking, hey, this is not what I signed up for. A lot of believers will say, this is not what I signed up for. I will, I love the forgiveness part. I love the home in heaven part, but I don't like this suffering part. I don't like this suffering part. But Paul understood the suffering happened to make us Rely not on ourselves, but on God. To make us not rely on ourselves. Make us not rely on ourselves. How can God do that? He's got all sorts of tools in his chest on how he can do that, you know. And we say, we can't. We can't. We can't. You know, and we think God's crying in heaven. And he's shouting, hallelujah. Hallelujah. They can't. They realize they can't. See? See? The whole, view, our, the whole view is different when you look at this. Now, uh, b- by the way, you know, we <laughs> I'm explaining your life. I'm explaining your life. You know, why? Why? Now, again, I'm very committed. I definitely explain it. my life. My life right here. And so, and to know. We won't see. We won't see God work. He is. He is working. Now we're here. He's not going to let up for us. We got how much time we got? We, we got good fifteen more minutes of this. Okay, fifteen more minutes in the fire. Okay. This verse. We must learn not to rely on ourselves. Okay, right? But on God who raises the dead. Why? Why is that such a big deal? The, and 2 Corinthians 4 7. Second, you, you know, when we read the Bible, we skim over stuff. We do. We just skim over it. You know, whatever, you know, look for good pieces or whatever we do. But when you start reading the whole thing, it's like, oh my goodness. Second, we got 2 Corinthians 4 7, explains why God does it. Here's the why verse. Why? Why? Here it is. Here it is. Why God is doing to you what he is doing. But we have this treasure in jars of clay. By the way, he just called you a jar of clay. I mean, he did. He called you a jar of clay. That's whole thing. He could use all sorts. You're a golden mug. No, you're a jar of clay. But he have his treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Why am I a jar of clay? I mean, he, God and I can really agree on that. I feel like a jar of clay. I really feel like a, not a very good jar of clay. I mean, it's good grief. And he goes, yeah, the reason, the reason is to show. God's showing something through a jar of clay that has no value, interest, or very little value of its own. He's going through a value of clay that everything that happens, all the surpassing power, belongs to God and not the jar of clay. He does it on purpose. He used a jar of clay because nothing good comes of a jar of clay. And if something good comes in, it, it's the surpassing power of God. And that's all people can see. And, you know, I've talked to you before about this. How could they do that? They're just a jar of clay. See, the world will agree. It's just a jar of clay. And God says, yeah, those are the people I picked so that all people will be able to see is the surpassing power of God. How do we get there? Finding, testing, heat, Burning away impurities, impurities. That's how we get there. That's how and that's what God's doing to us is burning away impurities. Now we're belly aching. I mean, I'm not gonna ask for a raise of hands. But I could ask for a raise of hand. I say, think of your worst problem. And then think of the or you think of the person who caused it. I bet mean, nobody in here is thinking about Jesus. That caused your problem. It caused your problem. See? But he's saying right here, no. God said, I caused your problem. God right here is saying, I caused your problem. And it, and I think, and so this would be a good point for us. To say, okay, I think it's be a good point to blame God for your problem. You know? It's kind of like what Adam said about Eve. God confronted Adam. He said, it was the wife you gave me. Is that woman you gave me? See? Then no refining there. He taken no ownership. He took no ownership. And here we are, thousands of years later, and nobody else has taken any ownership. Not taking any ownership. It's the woman you gave me. <laughs> Husband you gave me. It's the boss you gave it's the kids you gave me <laughs> or whatever whatever see no ownership no ownership and I've shared this with you too I found this out and this was really helpful years ago I found the common denominator in every problem I have everyone one common denominator it's me <laughs> I showed up of all my problems <laughs> I showed up and, and, and this is what God is saying see look but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show the surpassing power of God. Why am I burning so? Why is it so miserable? And God says, so you can show the power of God. And I'm going to keep turning the heat up and I'm going to keep turning the heat up and keep turning the heat up until people see the power of God. And do people go to their grave miserable? Yeah. Yeah, you have that choice. God has a choice too, and he's not stopping. You don't turn the heat up. Why don't things get better? Because God's turning the heat up. Why? Because you don't listen. He turns the heat up. I mean, it's right here, right? This is a good memory verse. Is this a good memory verse? (laughs) It's easy But we have this treasure in jars of clay. You are the jar of clay. You are not Mr. Sunshine. You are not Mrs. Sunshine. You are a jar, a clay. and God wants to show the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Are we there? Okay, Right there. This is what's happening Old Testament, New Testament, you know? Now I so said, God is pleased. I this just think, God is pleased. God is really pleased. To show us is a jar of clay. God, show me is Superman, you know. And I come in this Sunday morning, show me is Superman. He goes, you know, I just show the you to them is a jar of clay. That's, that's my promise to you, Wallace. I will show you to them is a jar of clay. Now, I've kind of learned that lesson, so I always ask God before I come here to fill me, you know, just for you, <laughs> because, you know, His point for me is to show me as a jar of clay. So the surpassing power of his word will be seen as his and his alone. That's the way he works. Anyway, leave it at that. (laughs) So it pleases God. God is happy to show us as a jar of clay in order to magnify himself. Magnify himself. Now listen. (laughs) God's power. I mean, this is so important. God's power finds its full scope in human weakness. You believe that? God finds his full scope of who he is in human weakness. God said, I'm going to show myself strong. So let me see. Here's the least likely person I can figure. I'll get him. And I can show all my power through him because he has nothing to offer. That's what these verses are saying. I mean, it really is what it's saying. They asked Apostle Paul, wrote three-quarters of Old Testament. Paul goes, I'm the worst of all of them. See, he finally got Paul where he needed him, where he said, I am the worst And he used him the most. But Paul had to recognize he was the worst before God could use him as the most. So, and here's, I mean, we we really have to grasp that. So, if this is the true, if this is the true, God may need to make us weak. Now, this is logical. Oh, make me strong, fill me with the Holy Spirit. And those are true states. But he may need to make us weak. If his strength is made strong in weakness, then he may need to make us weak to show himself strong. Paul, Paul complains to God about his weakness. He complains. He's, he's with all. Of it. He, he complains. And listen to what God says to Paul. He complains about his weakness. Second Corinthians 12:9. and this one should be on your refrigerator. Second Corinthians 12:9. Paul God says to Paul, Paul complains about his weakness. God says to Paul, "My grace is sufficient for you." Now well, let's put power there, because someone would get grace off fluffy there. God says, "My power is sufficient for you, Paul." Now, do you know what He just said, Paul? God just said to Paul, "I'm not taking away your weakness. You got it. You're going to keep it." That's what He said. But He also said, "My power sufficient for you. you." Don't forget, Paul. You're a clay jar. That's your claim to fame, Paul. You're a claim jar. My power is sufficient for you. My power will uh, flow through you. And you'll give credit to me for my power because you're a clay jar full of weaknesses. Y'all with me? Okay. God says, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Then Paul says, Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest on me. May rest on me. Oh, God, thank you for that woman you gave me. Oh, God, thank you for that man you gave me. Because I'm made strong through them. (laughs) That's what I did. Oh, God, thank you for that boss that you gave me that derives me on. Thank you, because now your power will be shown strong through me because I have nothing to offer. See, this is what this is saying. Like I said, this is stuff people skip over. Now, look at this. My grace, he's telling Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. His power, God's power is made perfect and where I want to see God's power. I want to see the glory of God working. I want to see him work. He said, Okay, I gotta find somebody, I gotta find a jar of clay. I gotta find somebody really weak. You know, and Paul wasn't quite weak enough, so I gave him a I gave him a weakness that he's complaining about, and he said, and then then I can show my power through his weakness. Like that. And Paul says, well, if that's the case, then I should boast about my weaknesses. I should praise God about my weaknesses. Praise God for the woman you gave me. (laughs) Praise God, you know, for the husband you gave me. Praise God for the boss you gave me. Because they expose my weakness and you work through my weakness. And people see your power. It's amazing that perfect, that word perfect, it says my power is made perfect in weakness. It means fully accomplished. It means fully accomplished. It says only, listen this, write this down, put it to memory. <laughs> only in weakness can God's call, only in weakness can God's power be accomplished. Only in God's Power Only, <laughs> <me> read here, <laughs> only in weakness, only, get my words together, only in weakness can God's power be accomplished. So how can you bring happiness into your marriage? Be weak. And be weak. I can't do anything. Be weak. Then God's power will come through. Whoever it is. How can you be powerful in your job before a crazy boss? you be weak. A jar of clay. And God make power through you. You see? And so he's showing us now and again, I'm going to back up again. He's talking about your life. He's talking about your wife. How many times you get a bad boss? And say, I got to get out of here. I, I had enough of this joker. I got. Well, wait a minute. You should have been boasting in your boss. I mean, he would be shocked today that you're boasting in him. See, because then he, God, will make you powerful. In that company. <laughs> it's, it's a, and, and like a marriage, get out of a marriage, don't like. It. No, you become weak, and you have God's power, and then you become a powerhouse in that marriage. Because God's power flows through you. You belly it and try to get out of it, and it undercuts God's work, and He takes His hand off of it. Because you won't accept. What he's given you? Are y'all with me? Is you making a say? Th- this is what this is saying, and I'm saying this explains your life. Your life is not what's around you. Your life is the God who you depend on, and for God to magnify His power, we need to boast in our Weakness. Only in weakness will God's power be accomplished. You won't see God's power? It's in weakness. What's your weakness? Thank God for it. Thank God for it. Every day. Because He will work through it supernaturally, and he'll be supernatural. It's because you're a jar, of clay, and His power will flow through that. His power will flow into, around those. Because you're weak before Him, and given thanks for your weakness, Paul was complaining about his weakness, and, and God said, "No, I'm not. My grace, your weakness, but grace is sufficient for you. I gave you that weakness so I could give you grace. God could give you a weakness so you could show God's grace." We complain of our weakness. God said, "Well, I'll give you another one." What? <laughs> I always get. Kid, I was just parents. And they had the kids, and they had this baby, and they couldn't do anything with it. And then they they, they had another one. They got they, now they got two. They can't out. You know, it's like whatever. And then I know several. Uh, one lady came up. She said, "Listen, you got to tell people not to have the third child." Yeah, it's like. The whole point of it, and I'm being a little facetious here, but the whole purpose is going to re- boast about my weakness. Hey, I boast about X, Y, Z weakness about that. God, thank you for, thank you for giving me this weakness. Now, okay, pause. God, thank you for giving me this weakness. Thank you, God. Thank you for giving me this, this weakness. Why? Well, then God's power flows out. That's how you get God to work. Not complaining about the problem. You thank Him for your weakness. You thank Him for the situation. And you honestly thank Him because you know His power will flow. That's what these verses are saying. That's just explaining your life. Oh, and also explain why everything doesn't work out well. You know, why did this happen to me? You know, this happened. Why did it? God is exposing your weaknesses. God is bringing these weaknesses about so that you will thank Him for them. Thank Him for them. Now, so he says, the Apostle Paul says, he just got rid of his, he'd been complaining to God, and now he says, we need to boast. In our weakness. That's where every one of you are. Is to boast in your weakness. And it will never. Get better. Until you boast. In your weakness. And if you don't boast in your weakness. It will get worse. Do you think you can complain yourself out of it? God gives you a weakness. And you just complain him away. He No he'll just give you another one. Because he turns the fire up. He turns the fire up. I want to. Um, I want to share two things, and these are really, really personal. And the reason I'm, per- reason I'm sharing them is for your benefit. It's kind of embarrassing for me to share. I, I'm not comfortable in sharing this. The, the one I heard, I've heard this, uh, I've heard this used before. And but I swear that, you know, 30 years ago, I was with the guy who actually said it. I mean, other people have pleasurized him, but I directly pleasurized him, you know, because I, I was there setting when he actually said it. And he said, he goes, "When does this refining stop? Have you ever thought about that? When does it stop? When's the heat? There's so much heat. When does it stop?" And said he went to India. And I can tell you right where I was, it was the church where I was is was in Los Angeles. In fact, I was on a TDY trip with the government. And he said, he said, walked past his India, and there was an old man refining silver. He was refining silver. And so I don't know if you know how silver is refining, and you know, they have a big pot, and they put the silver ore in there and they burn it real hot. And what happened? The silver's heavier, so it sinks to the bottom, and you skim the dross off the top. And so he watched him, he says, I wonder how this guy knows when to turn down the heat, because he is asking God, when you turn down the heat, this refining fire, these problems and stuff. And he's, watched this guy he says, I wonder when this old man knows when to turn down the heat. So again, the silver's going to the bottom, drops, and he just scrapes it off. He scrapes. So he asks him, says, when you, how do you know? Could I? Ask you, how do you know when to turn down the heat? He says, oh, it's real easy. He says, when I can look into the pot. And see my reflection. God's removing impurities. Until he sees his reflection. In us. And we complain. We, com- we try to complain it. away. He says no you're not. You're just adding flesh. You're just adding impurities to it. You see what I'm saying? That's when you cut the fire. Now here's the real personal one. We have, and, and I'm, I'm making it personal for your benefit, okay, to understand the problem. We have <laughs> our daughter who hasn't spoken to us in like 15 years. We haven't seen her grandkids in 15 years. And it's just, and that's not fair. That's not fair. See, this doesn't apply to me. This is not fair. See? And so I was in this auditorium i was walking around why god why god what are you doing it is not fair this is not right you know violating everything i just taught you and just great god why 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 speak to me and he did i mean he i mean he literally did it was like a voice is in my head i said god why why is this happening he said one thing he goes who do you love Is it? Is it? Yes, you love her? You love me. Who do you love most? Her or me? He said, "Who do you love?" That was his answer. <laughs> that was the answer here. Acknowledge your weakness. Rejoice in your weakness, cuz now you have nothing but me. That's I'll speak for you. That's too harsh. That's too harsh. That's too hard. God goes, no, that's, there's nothing harsh about that. But God, what about? There's no what about anything. This is me and you. This is just me and you. See? Who do you love? And that's my answer. Been the answer ever since. Okay. Then he will show his power through me in that whole area is a witness or whatever, because I can boast in that weakness. How do you boast in that? Because guys said, who do you love? Are you all with me? Huh? By the way, I'm talking about your life. I'm talking about your life. And so here we have. So let's look here. And it says a powerful biblical point. If you are a believer, if you are a believer, all right, God will refine, test, and discipline you. If you're a believer, he'll refine, test, and discipline you. And listen to Hebrews. There's not an overhead here. Here, This is Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5 and 6. And it says this. Have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? Have you forgotten this? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of of the lord nor be weary when you are repute, reproved by him for the lord disciplines the ones he loves these people don't care about christ they don't care about anything they're just floating along because god disciplines the ones he loves not the ones that they don't care about him see the whole thing right here for the lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. Being refined is an evidence. That God loves you. Being refined. Is evidence. That God loves you. Therefore. We can rejoice. With God's refining. And endure. God's discipline. Now we have an overhead here. Look at this. Hebrews 12 7. Look at this. Endure. Hardships is discipline. God is treating you as children's. How bad's it getting for you? Shows how much He loves you. What are you doing with it? Complaining, griping, blaming everybody under the sun except yourself and your relationship with God? Are you being refined and rejoicing in your wit- weakness and see God to flow through you and again? that's the reason I was here and God told me he says, I'll tell you what you need to you're showing me right now who do you love it's too much that's too much and God goes no that's a minimum that's a minimal there's no too much about that that's a minimum so being refined is evidence of God's love therefore we should rejoice and so I might ask you right here are you having a hardship? You having a hardship? All right. Are you having a hardship? What are you complaining about? Do you have a hardship? Endure it because God is treating you as a son and a daughter. Rejoice in your hardship. How many of you here saying, but, 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 like I was saying, but, 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 when I'm saying God. Why can't you fix this? And he goes, who do you love? In your situation right now, God's looking you eye to eye and say, who do you love? Who do you love? You see why I was curious about who would show up this morning? Because this is not like your fun message, but it is a true message, and it's a true message about what God is doing. If, if one never experiences refining or dissimilar, if no one ever re- experiences refining or discipline, they are illegitimate children. They don't belong to God. No discipline, they don't belong to God. Because he disciplines his sons and his daughters. And by the way, I love these people who are wave a flag and want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. This is not separate. Not separate. It's being filled with the Holy Spirit and the refining Go hand in hand. Refining and discipline go hand in hand with the transforming power of the Holy Spirit. This says in no overhead, 2 Corinthians 3, 18. And we all with unveiled face, behold, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the image, into the same image from one degree of glory to another. And this comes from the Lord who is the spirit and to transform you from one image to the other by the holy spirit of of god is integrated into the furnace furnace fire furnace fire of affliction the burning and the transforming the holy spirit all right yeah, it's almost like somebody says, hey I'm on fire for Jesus jumping up and down and I'm happy I almost want to I just share this among you as friends because I know you won't repeat it but I almost jump up I go show me your scars I don't know, all I see is a lot of fluff show me your scars you know Paul says I boast in my scars I boast because I was beat with rods I boast Because I was whipped, you know. So, what I'm saying, it's a different world. And we kind of can see what's going on here. Now, what are you going through? Endure it with gladness. We should rejoice in our weakness. Learn what God is trying to teach you. Learn, you know, God, I wish you'd just teach my boss something. How stupid is that? You know? he not teaching you, boss nothing. He teaching you. Now bring it in closer to home. What's he teaching you? Well, if he is nice to me, I'd be happy. She is nice to me. He ain't teaching you that. Not happening. What's he teaching you? And you got to rejoice in that weakness so my power can flow. My power will flow. And <laughs> sometimes I laugh at think And it's like, why isn't the revival in the church? Church, we don't want to have nothing to do with this. They don't want nothing to do with this. Holy cow, we'll go to some other church. I guess a lot of people I know just happy-go-lucky and, you know, like that. That'll be fine. But God goes, you want to see a legitimate move? Then you come to me and you rejoice in your weakness. You want to see legitimate power? You come to me and I'll come through your weaknesses. So, are you struggling? God is fine. Are you struggling? And, you know, I could say all God's people said, amen. I mean, if you're not, oh, you've got to be. You may just be after this message. <laughs> well, I was like, oh, God, stop. <laughs> but are you struggling? Well, then God is refining you so he may show himself through you. That's the whole deal. So he may show himself through you. If you're struggling, so rejoice. And you end up like the Apostle Paul. Who says, who says, now listen closely. He says, Galatians 2.20, you come to this point. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the, son, by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me, Wallace, who do you love? Wallace, who do you love? That's what he said to me. And I rejoice. Rejoice. Rejoice in God. I rejoice in God that He has this. And as I rejoice in Him, that my daughter and grandkids hadn't talked to me 15 years, as I do rejoice because I know He is going to work through my weaknesses in power. In power. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your goodness. And I know, too, this is kind of be, you know, it can be a little bit of a heavy message, you know, here. But it's so truthful. And the thing of it is, we all are going through it. It's just a lesson on how to handle the world as it comes at us, how to handle problems as they come at us, how to handle situations as they come at us. And we can be strong in that. And knowing that as we can boast in the things, that we give honor to the things that happen because we see your hand working. And we know we boast in our weaknesses because we will see your power. We will see your power. And God, we thank you for that. We thank you for that. And just to say, like Paul did, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Thank you, dear Jesus. Amen. Amen.